from News Hub, it's the Fierce Fitness Podcast with Nats Levy. Expert health advice to help you live your best life. Welcome to the Fierce Fitness Podcast, where we talk about the latest fitness trends and answer all the burning wellness questions you have. I'm Nats Levy. And hey, if you have a burning question or topic you would like us to cover, then do let us know at fiercefitness at newshub.co.nz or DM me on IG at Fierce Nation Fitness. In today's episode, we are talking about all things fact and fiction. Things like, to lose weight, must I cut my cards? Does only fasted cardio works? And the old humdinger, I can't lift heavy weights because I'll get too big. And today's guest is well-versed in all fads, facts, and fiction of fitness. And she's someone who keeps it real on Instagram. Joining us now to talk all things fads, facts, and fiction of fitness is transformation coach and WBFF bikini competitor, and Julie Mack. And Julie, welcome to the Fierce Fitness Podcast. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. What a nice voice to listen to. <laughs> Look, thank you. I'll take the compliment. Um, and I can honestly think of no one better to talk about fads and facts of fitness that have been coming through on social media than you, because you do keep it real about the fitness life, and that's what we love about you. So are you ready to delve into this, and Julie Mack? I am. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, we're going to start with number one, and number one that's come through on social media of what people want to dispel, whether it's rumor or truth, is I just want to tone my muscles. And if I lift too heavy, I'm going to get too big. Angelie Mack, fad, fact, fiction. Definitely fiction. So I think everyone thinks like, oh, you know, I really want to look toned. I really want to get strong, but I don't want to look too bulky. And they have this idea that if they start going to the gym and lifting heavy weights, they're going to look like a bodybuilder. And I can tell you now from eight years of weight training, I wish it was that easy. But as a woman in particular, it takes so much more than just going to the gym a few times a week to actually get to an elite level of building muscle. So when people say, you know, I want to look toned, what they really mean is that they want to build muscle, which is going to give you the look of creating shape but by building muscle, but they actually want to reduce the fat that's covering the muscle. So what a lot of people do is they'll start working out, but they don't look into their nutrition. So they might feel like they're getting, you know, quote mark, bulkier. I really don't like that word, but they might feel like they're getting bulkier. But really the reason for this is they're actually eating too many calories for their goals. So they're usually going to the gym, lifting heavy, and then they're gaining more fat instead of losing the fat to show the muscle that they're building, which gives a thicker look as opposed to someone that is going to the gym, weight training, aligning their nutrition to their goals, and then they're coming in leaner and actually building that toned look. Mm, interesting, because one thing that people always ask, and well, it's always like a fear. It's like, I don't want to lift heavier. I don't want to do that six to eight rep range because I'm just going to look bulkier. And when I look at you and I know that you do a lot of weight training, you're teeny tiny. So this is a false rumor. Yeah, definitely false. So I think for anyone that wants to look toned, their key thing is going to be weight training and it's not going to be crazy high reps. Anywhere between like the eight rep to 20 rep range is great. Mm, so kind of going for, and making that muscle burn, is that correct? Yeah. So, I mean, we grow by stepping outside our comfort zone. So if you're going into the gym and you're not really challenging yourself at all, I like the quote, nothing changes if nothing changes. So if you're continuously going into the gym and you're not really challenging yourself, you're just going through the motions, it's just not going to help you change your body. Like you do have to challenge yourself in the gym within reason. 
And so true. Um, I love how you referenced that bit about spot toning or spot training because a lot of the time as well, I don't know if it's just a girl thing. It seems to be most of the questions have come through from females um, is that, oh, I just want to um, build my butt or I just want to lose fat on my stomach, uh, you know, areas like that. And we, we can't spot train. We can't go, hey, area, let's just change this bit of our body. Totally. So the key areas everyone wants to lose fat from are usually the ones I get are the underarm, so under the bicep. Yeah. Like uh, people will say things like arm flab, um, hips around your hips around your waist whereas your stomach is a very common one and these things I understand it would be so nice if you could say hey look I just want to do 50 sit-ups a day and lose stomach fat I mean that would be a dream it'd be so easy I'd be walking around with a flat stomach year round but unfortunately it's just not possible in terms of genetics playing a role and where we store body fat so some women you might find everyone has that one friend that can eat whatever they want and they still have a flat stomach I've never been one of those people but some people do necessarily uh, store fat in different areas so they might store it on their backside instead of their front side so they might find that when they eat more food they still have a flat stomach but they end up getting more fat to their butt whereas someone else might get more fat to their stomach and less from other areas. We can't choose where the fat goes to and where it goes from. So for example, when I lean down for a competition, I'll usually lose fat from everywhere eventually, but my stomach's the last place to go. And my boobs are usually one of the first places to go. <laughs> because, you know, at the end of the day, fat's distributed around our bodies differently, dependent on genetics. But then also uh, when it comes down to losing fat, the most important thing isn't the exercise component, it's nutrition. And this is where I think a lot of people, including myself, make mistakes when starting out it's that you think that you know what if I go to the gym I can eat whatever I want but it's not the way that it works it's that if you have goals and you're working out in order to achieve fat loss it's great that you're moving your body but you're never going to actually lose the fat that you want to until you sort out your nutrition because the key to fat loss is going to be what's called a caloric deficit and a caloric deficit simply put is eating less calories than your body requires to maintain weight that was a lot that was a lot of information. It was great. And it brought up so many of the fad fat kind of topics we want to talk about. But I love how you referenced you've got to kind of eat and train towards the goal that you want. So um, I think we've we've definitely uh, dispelled the myth that you can spot train and um, that if you lift heavy weights, you're going to get bigger because it comes down to that nutrition. So if someone did want to build that muscle and look slightly bulkier, they would be eating a lot more calories to supplement that muscle? Definitely, yep. So yeah. they, in order to build muscle and in order to – gain more weight you do need to be eating more food and this is where I think some people get a little bit nervous when it comes to growing muscle because a lot of women are too scared to eat more because it's been ingrained in everyone to eat less and so a lot of women think that if they start eating more they're going to gain a whole lot of fat but it doesn't work like that it's a controlled approach when it comes to your nutrition when I work with clients all around the world it's a controlled either fat loss phase or a building muscle phase I'm never going to slash their calories instantly lower and I'm never going to give them a crazy amount of calories to stick to because we don't want drastic movements in either way mm. and that's something that we do hear quite commonly like people want to change their body they just think slash the calories enormous calorific deficit sometimes less than baseline calories I've seen people on in terms of what they're eating and nourishment Terrifying. Um, there's this kind of, there's another myth that's out there, and here we're going to lead into the next one. Um, exercise can erase bad eating habits. And Julie Mack, fact, fad, fiction. 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 Yes. So when I think of this, I think of it as this way. A one-hour workout 
is 4% of your day. So what are you doing for the remaining 96% of the day? A lot of people are commuting to work. So they're sitting down, they're sitting at a desk all day. Well, they're doing podcasts, so they're sitting down a lot. They're not moving significant amounts at all. Then you commute home and then chance are you sit on the couch and you watch Netflix. So that is a significant amount of time sitting down. And then throughout that, you've got all your meals. Again, you're sitting down to eat. So you've spent 96 oh, – and then, of course, sleeping. So you've spent 96% of your time actually not moving much at all unless, of course, you have an active job. So by thinking that doing, you know, a 4% of your day – and most people won't work out every day. So say you're spending 4% of your day across a week, maybe you go to the gym four times a week. So it's like 2% of your whole week has spent working out. What are you doing for the remaining amount of time? And then when you think of it as how many calories you would burn during that time versus the calories that you're consuming and the lifestyle that you live, it's just not possible for you to be outworking your diet. So the most effective way for fat loss, say, would be actually getting your nutrition on point and in align with your goals. And you could think of it an even easier way. That would be if I jumped on the treadmill and you stood next to me eating pizza, who's going to eat or burn more calories? You know, the person eating pizza is going to. Okay. So, um, you know, and I, going back to that 4% analogy, which is fantastic, some people do think, and they put, they lay uh, and align exercise with punishment. So they think, oh yeah, I've done one hour, 4%. How about I do another three hours so that I can hit like 16% of my daily output into exercise? Exercise is punishment. What do you think about that? Oh, that just breaks my heart. Doesn't it hurt you when you hear people say like, oh, you know, oh, I ate XYZ, so I have to go to the gym and do a workout. I think the world would be better off if everyone saw exercise as something they're grateful for. Like exercise doesn't have to be punishment. It should be something that you enjoy. And of course, not everyone's going to enjoy exercising for their first time. It takes time to find out what you like. Someone might not like weightlifting, and I totally understand that. That's what I personally enjoy. But for someone else, they might like going to a workout class or uh, walk with their friends, going to yoga, doing Pilates. It's about finding some kind of movement that you enjoy and you don't see as punishment. And I also don't think that you should be looking at exercise as a way to burn X amount of calories because with the rise of, you know, fitness trackers, everyone's wearing one, you've got to watch on, I've got to watch on, and people are relying on these to tell them how many calories they're burning a day. And there's been so much research about them saying that they highly overestimate how many calories people are burning per day, but people are letting these watches kind of rule them and then saying like, oh, you know, my watch says I burnt 3,000 calories so I can eat more. Well, chances are that watch is highly inaccurate especially if you have a desk job. So instead of seeing exercise as punishment, I think a really good way to see things would be find the type of exercise that you enjoy. And it might take time to find some kind of movement that you like. Set a movement goal, whether it's like 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 steps a day, just some kind of an increase from what you're currently doing. And then from there, get your nutrition in line with that so that you can eat foods that you love and still get the results that you want without feeling like you're constantly like, you know, working out to burn off the food that you're eating. Mm, it's very sound advice. And I've also uh, heard, <laughs> perhaps I'm just talking about me. Um, no, I'm not really. <laughs> uh, you know, they forget to start the exercise tracker or they get the results and then they're like, oh, I only did like 50 calories, doesn't count. Oh, yeah. 
And really it was quite an intense 50 calories because the heart rate spike was massive. But you're right with that reliance on trackers. It's not always um, a true record of what your body's doing or the goodness that you're doing for your body. That performance or that benefit can come a lot later from that moment that your watch is tracking your exercise. Definitely. And something I get my squad to do is I have home and gym workouts, but I say to them, if their goal is fat loss, I give them a step-based goal. And I do like the 10,000 steps a day goal. I think it's a really healthy amount to aim for. But of course, if someone comes to me and they're doing under 5,000 steps a day, it's going to feel really overwhelming to double that. So for anyone out there that's looking to start their fitness journey, don't feel like you have to go all in on everything and try and hit the gym twice a day, every day, try and be perfect with your nutrition and hit 10,000 steps a day. Pick one thing, start on that. It might be that you're going to increase your steps from 4,000 a day to 7,000 a day. That would be a great start. Mm, and that um, leads us once again to another another fad fact or fiction. Um, uh, you know, people think, you know, I, I want to change my lifestyle, I want to change my habits, so I'm going to change my nutrition, I'm going to suddenly do 10,000 steps, I'm going to put in 10 workouts a week, it's like too much at once. What about working out every day? Is that fad, fact or fiction? I think it's definitely a fiction. Sometimes more is not necessarily better. So when it comes to working out, the common thing I see with women in particular when they want to lose weight, it's, okay, I'm going to do faster cardio every morning and I'm going to go to the gym and do weights every afternoon. And this is the go-to template. And of course, they're going to slash their calories down. So within about two weeks, I would say they've either given up or they're completely burnt out because who can keep up with that? It's like, intense. That's crazy. I hear that a lot as well. And I see it a lot in the gym. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of working out every day, I don't believe in doing strenuous workouts every day, but I do believe in moving your body every day. And that's where the steps come in. So for me personally, I'll go to the gym and do five weight sessions a week. And then I'll make sure I hit my steps seven days a week. If I'm looking to build muscle, I'll have less steps. If I'm on a fat loss journey, it's 10,000 steps a day. And if it's a competition prep, that might increase. But for general population looking to lose fat, honestly, four to five days a week in the gym is great, or even with home workouts. And should they be strenuous every time? It depends on how you're going. If you have a really stressful week, you don't want to go and have a super high intensity workout, you know, every single day. So definitely. Definitely be aware of what your goals are, what type of training you need to do to achieve them, and then space it across the week so that you have time to rest because when we rest, that's when our body recovers. Mm, yeah, I always think of training as the stimulus, but rest, recovery, that's where the change happens. Definitely. And it's something I try and tell everybody because I do see it a lot. Lots of people um, thinking, even putting daily movement, like getting their steps in is training. And I think it's sometimes the words we put around uh, ways that we move our bodies that can be detrimental to our outcomes and our goals. Um, what's, you know, I just want to touch base on this idea of training for movement, training for performance, training for a goal versus lifestyle movement, like getting our steps up. Are those two very different things? Mm, that's a good question. Put me on the spot with that one. I know. I? Just yes. came to me. Sorry about that, Angelina, yes. but you can handle it. Yes. So I personally think that there is a difference between moving your body and training for a specific goal. The way that I would train for a WBFF bikini competition would be very different to someone that just started going to the gym and that's working out. And that when I'm in the gym, Every single thing is calculated. I'm making sure that every week I'm progressing, whether it's by like a kilo or two on my lifts. I'm 
structuring everything outside of training around that. I'm making sure I hit my sleep, my water, my steps, everything to a T. It's training for a goal. And I feel like that's how a sports person would be. They know exactly what their goal is. They train specifically for that as opposed to someone that just wants to lose weight or, you know, look fit and feel fit and feel healthy. I think that would be a more... I guess, relaxed approach to it. And you can still train really hard and go to the gym and work out and have those goals. But I think it's the intention around it. When you go to the gym and what you're thinking in your mind, I'm not getting distracted by playing on my phone. I'm thinking about the movement I'm going through. And I think people can learn from that. When you go into the gym or when you do your workouts at home, make sure that you're giving that time to yourself. Turn your phone off or, I mean, if you're using it for music like I do, at least put it on airplane mode or have a rule that you don't scroll on social media while you're training and make sure you actually focus on it. Mm, that's a great tip. That's a really good tip because, uh, I mean, phones, the rise of information is fantastic, but I do see people, you know, knowing as a trainer that there's very um, programmed ways that you rest for in terms of what your set is. And I do see people sometimes dilly-dallying around, checking their phone or spending like five minutes just sitting on a chair scrolling. Right, it's addictive behaviour. So I just want to pull up on something you just highlighted extremely well: mind to muscle connection. Fact, fiction, fad. So important. Fact. So it is really important to be aware of your body when you're in the gym. I am a prime example of this because this week I had an injury, and this is the first one I've had in a very long time. And I think I've just been so stressed for a good few weeks, and I got into the gym and I wasn't focused enough as I was doing a shoulder press, and I felt something go off in my neck. And that, as you can imagine, is a scary thing. So when you are in the gym, I do think it's really important that you focus on the movements that you're doing. Everything from when you are loading up a bar and taking the weight off. Injuries happen doing the silliest things. So you might have finished your squats or your deadlifts, but as you're taking the weight off the bar and putting the weight back on the bar, make sure that you're using the right form for that. You really don't want to tweak anything. And then when you're actually training for, let's speak about glutes, because everyone (laughs) seems to want to grow Booty, booty, booty. Booty, booty, booty. So when it comes to doing something like hip thrusts, it is really important to, of course, focus on the form of it. So keeping your neck in line with your spine, but then also actually thinking about your muscle mind to connect. Uh, connection. In terms of thinking, as you come up to the top of the movement, you're squeezing your glutes so that you can actually feel them activating. I just Instead, did that right now. Yes, exactly. Did you I see me lift yeah, up out of like, my seat? You know, you've got to squeeze those glutes and really feel them uh, as you go through the movement instead of just going through the movement and going through the motion without actually squeezing. Mm, and like that's what I love seeing. Like I know I do it myself. Is like sometimes with things like crunches, for example, or with um, with some of those hip thrusts, I like to feel the muscle to make sure it's activating. I can feel it tighten. And it can just be fingers touching the muscle. So for me, I'm a big rib flarer. Um, so for me, when I do crunches, I like to check that my ribs are staying in. And then I like to just palpate my lower abs to make sure they're just feeling a little tense underneath. And I actually cut my butt when I do hip thrusts. Me, so I thought it when I was filming, I realized like, oh, why am I touching my butt on kickbacks? Or like, why am I feeling my glutes when I'm doing exercises? But it helps, you know, if you're someone that can't feel your glutes when you're training, sometimes it can help to just point to the muscle even that Mm. you're training so that you can think, oh yeah, I need to think about that muscle. That's what I'm working. And then also with the rise of booty bands, I feel like that's almost like a fact or fiction type one too. Are booty bands any good? I personally love booty bands. I think that they can really help you activate your glutes. 
glutes. So if you find it hard to feel your glutes doing a movement, placing a booty band above your knees and pushing your knees out against that can really help target the glutes. It can really help target and it can also highlight if your mind is not to your muscle because I know a lot of people just use, um, I guess, the lever of their leg to you know, widen the band out and create more tension. They're not actually using their muscles. So I do agree with you there. It's a good thing for people to highlight and get that mind-to-muscle connection because if we just feel something once – then it's like, oh, that's I feel different. Like it clicks. Yeah. And then you know what you're doing from Exactly. That. All right. Okay. You're ready for the next one in Julie okay, Mack. Okay. Go We've for got it. no pain, no gain. Fad, oh. fact, or fiction? Definite fiction. This has so much bro science to it. So when I started out uh, eight to nine years ago, I was in university or eight years ago, yeah. And I remember all the guys in the gym, I was the only girl in the weights room at the time and they'd all, no pain, no gain. Oh, you've got it. That is very bro science. You've got to eat chicken and broccoli. You've got to load up on the carbs and all of this. And anyway, they'd always tell me that I needed to train harder, lift heavier and At the risk of injury, it's just not worth it. So, of course, the most important thing when going into the gym is going to be your form. We never want to compromise our form by increasing the weight. So what this means is if you feel like your form is slacking a little bit on squats, on hip thrusts, on deadlift, take that weight back down, take that ego back down and take like take time to really work on your form before increasing the weight. No pain, no gain. I mean, of course, you want to challenge yourself. You really want to push yourself in the gym, not at the risk of form being compromised, not at the risk of injury, and not at the risk of you being too scared to go back to the gym for the next few days. Like a lot of people will be new to the gym. And of course, when you start working out, it's natural to get DOM, so delayed onset muscle soreness. Totally natural, but you don't want to have it so bad that you get put off working out after that because I've had times when I've trained with trainers, they push me way too hard and then I couldn't walk for like a few days after and I mean that put me off completely. Like I don't want that for anyone. So please don't listen to any trainer that says no pain, no gain. Yeah, I have um, seen a lot of footage and I've seen a lot of people. There's almost this glorification of not being able to walk or getting training so hard that your muscles are still twitching long after the workout. Um, And that, to me, it just screams body, too much stress, too much stress, too much stress. Fad fact or fiction? Um, Fiction. So as in... They, if people sh- should be training till they're that sore? No. Yeah, sorry, fiction. Just had to I think know, about sorry, that. I know, sorry, the way I laid that in was terrible. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's okay. uh, yes, definitely fiction. So make sure that you're training hard and challenging yourself, but you also need that recovery time. So mm-hmm. don't go and train legs one day really hard and then try and train them completely the next day. Yes, you can train if you are a little bit sore, but listen to your body. Like at the end of the day, I think everyone knows what's best for their body. If you truly think that you're too sore to push through, go for a light walk, take a break, go back the next day. Mm, okay, very good advice. Thank you very much, Anjali Mack. The next one, are you ready? Okay, we're going straight to weight loss. We're looking at shakes, bars, meal replacements. Are they good for weight loss? Fad, fact or fiction? Oh, I'm going to say I think they have their place and this might be surprising to some people. So the reason why I say I think that they have their place is for someone that 
has no idea about nutrition and they're getting takeaways multiple times a week and then they think, oh, you know what, I need to change something but I'm not quite sure what to change or how to change. You know what, swapping out a massive McDonald's family meal for maybe a protein shake and some fresh fruit or maybe a protein bar would make a big difference to someone that's constantly doing that across a week. Do I think that there's any kind of magical shake bar or meal replacement that is going to replace a good diet and exercise? No, I definitely don't. I think the most important thing, as I've said before, for fat loss is going to be nutrition, but it's also going to be the lifestyle habits like drinking enough water each day, getting seven to nine hours of sleep, managing stress, moving your body. And then the shakes, bars and meal replacements. You know what? I'm not opposed to having a protein bar. I do like some protein bars and cookies every now and again, but I personally would choose to eat whole foods over those. So I do love a good chocolate protein bar every now and again, or like I said, salted caramel. Oh, salted caramel. In my oats or in a smoothie, delicious. Like salted caramel hits the spot. But in terms of anyone that is looking to lose fat, please don't feel like you have to go and spend thousands of dollars on these crazy shake diets. It breaks my heart when I hear of people saying like oh you know I bought all these shakes I did it for a week I lost x amount of weight but then I gained it back and I didn't know what to do so I went back to what I was doing before yeah I feel like a lot of this stuff um, and a lot of the advice and whether we dispel it as a fact fad or fiction comes back to good lifestyle and consistency so I agree with you we need to look at food in terms of the scale of food like of course if we're going out eating takeaways or lots of processed food then a meal replacement or a shake made of really good ingredients can be a good option or like busy lifestyle sometimes people don't have that time you know we are in a busy lifestyle it does happen it is the reality of some people's lives to sit down and have a meal so then perhaps a really nourishing drink that they can have on the way is a good thing for them because they're getting nutrition into their body. Definitely. Yeah. So I think like I wouldn't shut them down completely, but I do suggest that anyone that's looking to achieve any kind of fat loss goals actually spends time to learn about nutrition because it's an investment in yourself and doing all these kinds of like drinks and shakes and things, it doesn't actually teach you the quality of the food that you're consuming or how to eat in order to achieve your goals. Mm. So I do think education is really important. Yeah, yeah, because even reading a food label can be really confusing. Like you look at the ingredients, like a science experiment, you look at the percentage of real food in there and it's like plastic, you know. So you're right, educating oneself on the value of nutrition is quite key. Definitely. Very good advice. Okay, we've come to the section known as Skeptical Sam where we ask you guys, the listeners, to just email in or DM us, DM us on social media about things that you want to know in relation to the topic for this week. So, and Julie Mack, are you ready for our section called Skeptical Sam? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, so a lot of the work we've already dealt with already, but one thing that came up very commonly was fasted cardio. Good thing, bad thing, fad fact or fiction? I think when it comes to any kind of cardio, it's important to realize why you're doing it. So a lot of people think that cardio is, again, the way to lose fat. Uh, fasted cardio doesn't matter. Whether you do it fasted, whether you do it fed, doesn't matter in a grand scale of things. I personally like to train faster in the morning because I wake up at 4.30. I don't really have enough time to actually eat something that will be digested in time to train. If you like training fasted, if you like doing cardio fasted, go for it. But if you feel dizzy, then of course eat something before. When it comes to fat loss again, I want to dispel another myth, which would be that cardio is best for fat loss. Once again, it's not, it's nutrition. So what this means is you could do fasted cardio every single day and not lose any weight. 
because if you're eating too many calories, it's not going to do anything. Great, great advice. Because that leads to the second one through Skeptical Sam, weights versus cardio for fat loss, weight loss. Yes. So in terms of overall weight loss, again, it's nutrition. But when we talk about fat loss, what we want to do is make sure that we're weight training so we can either maintain or gain muscle. And then we want to make sure that I personally think cardio is great for overall health. So I do think that cardio has a place in our life, but more so just from overall health benefits, not fat loss. So focus on weight training, focus on your nutrition, and then just hit a step goal each day. And that's enough cardio, something low, low strenuous. I love that because um, I do love to feel my heart rate spike. It makes me feel alive. Sometimes it's about putting that cardio in place of performance. Like, you know, if you play sport, like I play netball on the weekend. So I love to do some sprints or some shuttles during the week just to, you know, make sure that I'm ready to fire for game day Saturday. Yeah, love that. Yeah, so some people like cardio. I like walking as my cardio. I don't think I've ever run more than 5K in my life. But, you know, if you play sport, then yes, cardio is important. But for me personally, I just stick to weightlifting and walking. See, we're all different and it's all okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, the other one that came in relation to kind of weights and cardio, fasted cardio, was I always do AM cardio, PM weights. Is this, I've just always done it, fad fact or fiction? Uh, Fiction again. So if you are going to be doing cardio and weight, it is – if you're going to do it in the same session, do your weights first so you can focus on that, prevent any getting like pre-fatigued and then getting an injury and then do cardio after. If you want to do cardio as a whole session, then yes, splitting it up like that's great. But honestly, there's no need to do two sessions a day. I think it's just impossible to maintain that for a long time. And the only time I ever do two sessions a day is in the last few weeks leading up to a competition. And we are talking about like the last couple of kilos to shred at an already lean shape. For anyone that's just looking to lose a little bit of weight or even a lot of weight that doesn't need to get into the below like 16% body fat as a woman, you just don't need to be doing two sessions a day. Because mm, that was uh, something that I just thought of now. It's like, you know what? I have really noticed that people do love it. And I guess they're seeing these competitors or these athletes that are in those final preparation stages. And this is what they're doing. This is the reality of doing a competition like that high-end level where you're presenting your body. But it's definitely not something you do day in, day out, no, right? I couldn't imagine it. Like even now, I'm not on comp prep and you don't see me stepping on that Stairmaster once. Like yeah. I'll only get on the Stairmaster when I really need to. And cardio is a tool that you introduce when needed. It, it's a very great tool that you can use. And of course, it's important for overall health. But in terms of fat loss, like honestly – Stick to the key habits. If I could recommend any key habits for people, it would be the water intake, the sleep, the nutrition, and moving your body in whatever way feels best for you. All right. So that leads me to the next one. Uh, One thing that came up quite commonly was treadmills versus outside. Well, I guess in your case, stepper versus flight to stairs. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So... I personally in winter do love using the treadmill to get my steps up. I have a desk job and I find it really hard to sit down all day, every day. So for me personally, I do think using a treadmill can be handy when it's rainy outside. And I think that any kind of movement is better than no movement. But in terms of running... Again, I don't really run, so I'm not going to lie. It's not my area of expertise, but I feel like running is very intense on your knees and on your body, 
And so I personally don't do it. But what do you prefer? Do you like Oh, I love running outside outside in the bush with my dog. Fair enough. See, that sounds nice. Running with a dog outside in nature. I think getting outside is something everyone could do more of. Fresh air, yeah. Yeah. We don't even mind if it's wet. He gets so excited for a run. It just makes me excited. It's crazy. So cute. I mean, having a dog would get me excited for anything, to be honest. (laughs) You can can borrow my Archie anytime. I'm sure he'd love to do some steps. Love that. But also with that, I wanted to say something I think a lot of people struggle with. It's the idea of motivation versus discipline. And when I think of... Going for steps outside, I've actually been challenging myself for 75 days. I'm on day 68 now, and one of the things I've been doing is a 45-minute walk outside every single day, rain, sunshine, cold, whatever. It's just something I've been working on to challenge myself to build some discipline. And a lot of people say, oh, but how are you so motivated to work out all the time? And it really isn't just motivation. Motivation will last for a little bit. Like when you start out, it's so exciting to start your fitness journey. You're going to be motivated to go to the gym and stick to your nutrition. But what happens after a week when you've been doing that for a week? You know, there's going to be a day when you get a little bit too busy with work or you're really tired after a long day and you don't want to eat the meal you've cooked at home or you don't want to go to the gym after work. And I think people need to realize that at the end of the day, it comes down to realizing what your goals are, what you need to do in order to achieve them, and then working on building the discipline to get things done even when you don't want to because motivation's not going to last and it's discipline that's going to get you to where you want to be. And discipline is something that is a learned behavior. It takes time and it takes you to really just think each day, what would the best version of me do? today to get me close to my goals like if I'm thinking oh you know maybe I'll get takeaways for dinner well is that going to take me close to my goals or further away yes or no and then you know the answer of what you should do Mm -hmm. so that's just kind of a little spiel on the side of that I think a lot of people do struggle with motivation and it's important to realize that no one's motivated all the time no and I love the saying that consistency is queen consistency is everything and it's so hard yeah it is it really is I struggle with consistently consistency I think people might look on Instagram and you look at these people and you think oh how do they compete how do they do this and that they must be motivated all the time or so consistent oh my gosh if I was so consistent all the time I would be miles ahead of where I am right now like we all struggle and it just takes time and the most important thing I've learned on my fitness journey is they don't quit like I fall down so many times And I've competed four times now and each time I've learned more about myself and I've come back stronger, I've come back better every single time. And I think it's just the attitude of like not stopping is what gets you through to your goal, whatever the goal is. Yeah, and I love that. And I love when there's an emotional attachment to the goal. Like for me, always the reason of why I'm doing something will help me stay consistent. And then that consistency will lead to results and change. And that the results and the progress leads to more motivation because when you it's like a never-ending circle I know I love that loop yeah so consistency is definitely key but you have to show up for yourself in order to actually build the consistency and then get that motivation to see that oh if I do xyz I actually get the results I want mm, very well said okay our last skeptical Sam question are you ready okay squats hate them do I have to uh, do them Oh, I personally love squats. I love them. But I also love leg day and I know not everyone does. So I train lower body three times a week. It's my big thing is to grow my glutes and my hamstrings for competing. Squats, do you have to do them? No. So some people have knee injuries. Some people just don't like them. It's like burpees. People just don't enjoy them. But squats are a great compound exercise. They do work our legs, but not only that, they also work our core and a good strong core 
is so amazing for many things, including posture and just overall lifestyle of things we go through, like preventing lower back pain as well. So do you have to do squats? No. Do I think you should learn to get the form right on squats and implement them into your training across a week? Yes, I do. But if you don't like them, there's definitely other compound lifts you could do, like sumo deads, hip thrusts, normal deadlifts, or did I say hip thrust? Yeah, yeah you did. I think yeah, so. hip, yeah. Hip thrust, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I really love, like, because you're right, squats are, you either love them or you hate them. But one thing that um, I recommend people to do is just practice getting up and out of a chair. So we all sit in chairs at some point, and a squat is ultimately just sitting down, standing up. Exactly. So practice that. Yeah, exactly. There you go, you're squatting. Easy. And I mean, if you don't want to put a big barbell on your back, you could just hold a dumbbell in front of you yeah. at your chest and just do that. You could sit down on the chair and get up with a weight. Like, I just think it is a really good compound movement that people can benefit from in other areas of life as well. All right. Well, that concludes all the fads, facts and fictions we wanted to discuss with our transformation coach and WBFF bikini competitor and Julie Mick. And Julie, if people do want to reach out to you, what's the best way that they can do that? I think I am most active on Instagram. So it's just and Julie underscore fit for life. Send me a message. I would love to hear from you if you have any questions at all on top of this. I would also love to answer them too. Yeah, and you do answer them. You're just so real, so authentic. So thank you for joining us today on the Fierce Fitness Podcast, and Julie. Yay, thanks for having me. All right, till next time. You've been listening to the Fierce Fitness Podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed the show, why not leave us a review? For more, you can visit newshub.co.nz slash podcasts.